0: Are You Just Watching? Episode 44, The Pursuit of Happiness. Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin, and joining me today is a guest host by the name of Tim Martin, and he's joining us to discuss this movie. Welcome, Tim.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. Now, Tim is joining us via Skype, and hopefully we'll get a good, clean recording of this episode. And We're just going to jump right in to talking about what we liked about this movie. Super. Now, um, it was actually my suggestion to do this movie, but we'd both seen it, so it worked out really well for an episode for us to join together on. It's based on a true story, which is a lot of people may not realize that when they watch it. It's a Will Smith movie with his son, Jaden. And uh, I think it's the first movie he did with his son, actually, though he's done.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yes, I think he's done several more, but this was the first one, and he's pretty young. And I think he's actually playing a child younger than he was when they filmed it. But I'm going to put in the show notes, which you will be able to find at areyoujustwatching.com slash 44 for this episode. I'm going to put a link to the Wikipedia article on Chris Gardner, who is the man that this movie is, his life is based on in this movie. And so you can kind of browse that if you would like to know the true story behind the movie um so you'll find those in the show notes i liked the movie i wouldn't have pulled this up to work on because unless i liked it and i i think what i really like is Will Smith's performance he does an amazing job
1: it this uh this particular movie is really a departure from his normal uh, performances i i mean it 's normally action star or humor, and it, you don 't really see a lot of it, either one of them in pursuit of happiness except he seems to do a lot of running <laughs> yeah. everywhere
0: everywhere yeah yeah and 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 part of that is I think they really condense the story uh, if you if you read the Wikipedia article. Um, it happened over several years and they make it look like it happened over a a series of months in in the movie. So they condensed it. So maybe they had, they had to get that running to to get everything in.
1: (laughs) Otherwise we would have had a uh, three hour long movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I thought it was interesting the way they did the narrative voiceover to break the movie up. And that's kind of an interesting way of introducing what's going on and uh, pulling you through, and and I guess giving you a connection with the main character because he's doing the voiceovers.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I I enjoyed the uh, the narrative, except I have to admit I was a little bothered by not being able to figure out what the framing uh, or the the standpoint of the narrator was because it never gets to a point in the movie where it shows when he's talking, like at the end. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It shows he's telling the story or something. Right. I kept waiting for that. and It never happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an untypical frame, because usually in a frame you see, you know, like they're talking to their grown up children or telling somebody the story and then you go back in time and see what happened. But this one needs just have him just his voiceover. That's all it is. Almost kind of like a journal as things go through.
1: It, either way, it worked very well in this movie. Yeah,
0: it did, and and the music was upbeat. I really appreciated um, just the the, especially in all the running scenes. You hear a lot of the score, and the score is by Andrea Guerra. I think I said his name right. He's uh, uh, Italian, so I probably pronounced it wrong. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I'm going to play a little bit of that in here. I don't believe I've ever heard a score by Andrea Guerra before, but it fit the movie. It was both lighthearted and yet um, very quiet where it needed to be quiet. And it just pulled the, I guess, the mood of the movie together.
1: Absolutely. It's, I've always appreciated, actually, uh, in Are You Just Watching, how you guys have always devoted a little bit of attention to the score, because mm-hmm. it plays such a huge emotional role in every movie, and a poorly done score can really ruin a great movie. Oh, yes. But a well-done score can win Oscars.
0: <laughs> Definitely, even if the movie wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> As well, actually, uh, going on a little bunny trail, one of the things that I have against um, the Sherwood Pictures movies is they don't have good soundtracks. And I think that's what's missing. Like when I watched Fireproof, I loved the movie. But I've, as I was watching, I was like, there's something missing in this movie. And it wasn't until I got to the end, it, was like, it did not have a good score that just threaded through the movie and filled in the quiet spots and that kind of stuff. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And you when it's not there, it actually feels like it's like uh, when you lose a tooth, it's like you're constantly nudging. it. It's like, what is this? So, yeah, that's a good
1: analogy. I like that.
0: (laughs) So, yes, this movie had a good score and it also had some interesting choice of songs. I think you even had pointed that out while you were taking notes in some places.
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's a scene um, at the sort of the the uh, pinnacle of the movie about three quarters of the way through where Father and Son are in uh, a shelter's church service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they, uh, they chose songs, it, normal you know, um, inner-city gospel songs, but uh, mm-hmm. they really spoke to the situation, which I would expect it to, since it is indeed a movie. <laughs> but uh, they, they really spoke to the situation, and uh, I thought it was a, a nice selection overall.
0: Yeah, and they really came across as Christian. I think it, I know that one did. I think there was one other one, um maybe towards the end of the movie, I can't remember, that kind of had Christian lyrics that spoke of Jesus or God or something like that, which is really interesting to make note in a very secular movie. Um so, yeah, I, I the, the that one we can even discuss later, the one that was in the um in the shelter was "Lord, don't move that mountain." I was just listening to it before we started recording, and it's got some very nice lyrics to it. So,
1: st- I didn't even think to look them up. I wish I had.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it's a it's an old old gospel song, and and I guess it's been sung in churches for many many years. But it 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 really plays well to the the theme of this movie. So I can see why they threw it in there. Well, I think that's probably, unless you have anything else to add, just general impressions about the movie, we can move on to our specific discussion. Uh,
1: The only thing that I would mention um, is there. there's a lot of symbolism in the movie that I thought was good to watch for. Mm -hmm. Um, Some, uh, it was all period, because uh, I believe this all takes place in the mid-80s or early 80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the... The advertisements on the wall. Tomato soup. Um, <laughs> there was a um, there was a movie poster for Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, a poor a good portion of this movie, the daycare actually takes place in San Francisco's Little China. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought the uh, director or the cinematographer, whoever makes those decisions on a movie set, uh, did a good job underlining all that sort of like you do with the score uh, mm-hmm. providing providing emotional background so to speak I mean,
0: providing the correct setting for the movie yeah it would be interesting to go through and really watch to see whether they made any mistakes you know like <laughs> catching somebody walking down with a cell phone you know walking down the street with a cell phone or something like that it's always fun trying to find those in movies that are set in a Period.
1: that model car isn't out yet yeah <laughs>
0: Because, I mean, they have to film them in a city environment, I would assume, a good bit of that. So trying to get it just right.
1: Movies like this probably have uh, uh, a dedicated continuity director or something mm-hmm. along those lines.
0: Yeah, I've heard of movies though that did have those little mistakes in them, and somebody will eventually come and point it out. So,
1: my family, uh, when we're sitting around and watching a movie, we love to try and catch each other's uh, continuity. We try to catch them before everybody else does mm-hmm. the continuity errors, like his shirt was unbuttoned a minute ago, or uh, <laughs> where'd that thing on the table just come from?
0: I catch them a lot in TV shows because they don't have the time to do true continuity checks. And yeah, so I catch those a lot. Well, if you as a, as a viewer of this movie, and you haven't seen it yet, you want to definitely check out the review at plugged com before you go and see the movie um, to check out whether it's family friendly or not. And, you know, catch all those little things that we don't necessarily talk about in this podcast like the sexual content or the bad language or anything like that and i will say there was a lot of bad language in this movie it kind of catches you by surprise in the places it pops up (laughs) all right well that aside um the first thing we have to talk about because it's like the title of the movie is what is happiness course we're going to have to discuss the misspelling of the word because i know that when i first brought this movie up to you, you were like oh, it
1: just drives me nuts that they have it misspelled <laughs> okay i admit i am a tad ocd <laughs> or rather cdo because i'd prefer it was in
3: alphabetical order
0: yes <laughs> but before we get to the misspelling the first quote i want to deal with is
3: i still remember that moment They all looked so happy to me. Why couldn't I look like that?
0: Now, this quote is basically Chris seeing the, the people that he envies the most, the, the ones that have it all. You know, they drive the nice car. They're dressed in a suit. They're running to work and they look happy and successful and he's envious of it and you know I kind of it grabbed my attention because it's one of the first things in the movie is him seeing this happiness and he says why can't I look that way and it just kind of brings to me a reminder that we are not supposed to be envious of other people you know
1: (laughs) yeah it's something in that uh what was that oh yes the 10 commandments
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh it's it's always you know it's like the grass is greener on the other side always you know no matter where you are in your life you're going to always think that somebody else has it better and if we spend all our time looking at what we think makes other people happy we're always going to be discontent with what we have absolutely yeah so i think the movie almost starts out with layering in that layer of discontent with chris from the very beginning um, because he's already looking at other people as being happier than he is
1: and i, I think he has a reason uh a reason to but I, I don't think it's an issue of uh he isn't happy but i think he understands that there that the risk that he took in this business proposition this business idea that he's tied up in uh is you know it's his fault that he's that he's having trouble or rather not so much his fault i guess you would say but it is
0: uh it was a bad career choice
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's in the wikipedia article it says that the the market changed at the same time and Mm -hmm. it, it it was a luxury as a matter of fact um, there was a
3: quote. What I didn't know is that doctors and hospitals would consider them unnecessary luxuries.
0: Which he actually in real life was not selling bone scanners. He was actually uh, selling just medical equipment. So, right. So he was just a medical. They, I think they kind of played that scanner thing up in the movie probably more than it needed to be. <laughs> but like yeah. you said, they were really hooked up on symbolism. So it became almost a symbol.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, during watching the movie, I was thinking that uh, his carrying the scanner around uh, reminded me quite a bit of uh, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. The, the beginning where uh, Pilgrim is uh, is forced to carry that bundle until mm-hmm. he gets to uh, Calvary. Right, and, where he can and release the burden.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, the next thing sequentially in the movie is the happiness misspelling.
3: It's written as P-P-Y, but it's supposed to be an I in happiness. Is that an adjective? Uh, no, actually it's a noun, but it's not spelled right.
0: Okay, so um, there is the, where he's actually pointing out to his son, because it really bugs him that the happiness is misspelled on the sign outside the daycare. <laughs> so they put it in the movie to bug the rest of us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the gimmick that the uh, that the directors decided on either way though it's got us talking about it yeah and i know it had people talking when the movie came out back in 2006 i think Mm -hmm. so it did it it did its job (laughs) and i think it served the purpose in the movie where uh happiness is really being defined on an individual basis for the main character Mm mm-hmm So uh, happiness is however you want to spell it, sort of like home is where you hang your hat (laughs) or home is where the heart is.
0: Yeah. It it is very interesting that they just nail that so hard because it it makes you then look for all of the instances where happiness is discussed in the movie. Well, the next thing that we can talk about with happiness is his girlfriend, Linda. And I'm going to say girlfriend because nowhere in the movie does it say they're married. Did you notice
1: that? I Actually, I didn't notice it, but now that you say it, by Jove, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> a- and all my notes list her as the wife. Mm-hmm. I guess that just shows how old-fashioned I am. They have a <laughs> child together. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, it kind of ca- jumped out at me when I read the actual true life story of, of Chris, that he he had been married, and then he had a child with his girlfriend Jackie, which they called her Linda in the movie but in real life, her name was Jackie. And so he left his wife so that he could raise the child with his girlfriend who eventually um, walked out on him. So
2: um,
0: that was the the series of events in in actual life. They never mention him being married to someone else, um, but they don't really actually say that he and Linda are married in the movie either. No,
3: I am not happy anymore. I'm just not happy. Then go get happy, Linda. Just go get happy.
0: So Linda says she's not happy anymore. And one of the things that really struck me now, I understand why she's not happy. Any woman would, if you watch the movie, he's obviously not providing properly for her and she's working multiple shifts just to pay the rent. So I can understand why she's not happy. But at the same time, the way she yells it at him like that makes me think that it's all about her. And since she's not happy, she's leaving. And I don't think that's the proper attitude for anybody in a marriage or a relationship. In this case, if you're raising a child together and you're living together, you might as well be married. She's probably his common law wife if they're not actually married, and she's just—it's all about her. I'm not happy anymore.
1: I wonder if that was an intentional decision on behalf of the director or uh, the actor as far as how to handle that, because it—she was working double shifts and it was very clear that uh, they were both working very hard. It was not a good situation for either one of them. Uh, Chris handles it better, though. Yeah. And with Linda, there are a number of places where the movie seems to be suggesting to me that she is not really fit to be the parent mm. in this particular case, which may have been a, a creative choice. Right. right. But um, she didn't put up any fight about uh, Losing uh the Chris, custody. Take, yeah. yeah exactly
0: and, the, and that's the other thing is is that there's no sign of any legal steps they took for divorce and custody and all of that it was just like you're not taking my son away from me and i'm leaving and i'm his mom and you know there's that whole discussion back and forth but you never really hear anything about like well we're getting a divorce or anything like that it's just she left
1: it the intensity of chris's character or, or will's character chris when he talked about you're not taking my son from me really spoke volumes about how he felt how important he felt the uh, the relationship between father and son were but we can get to that a little bit more later <laughs>
0: yeah definitely um so right after that scene in kind of a reaction uh this happens
3: let me ask you something are you happy yeah. huh? because i'm happy and if you're happy and i'm happy then that's a good thing right yeah. All right,
0: So Chris is reacting, I think, to Linda saying she's not happy, and so he just asked his son, "Are you happy?" And I think it, it, it he's like, "You're happy, I'm happy, but I don't know whether that's really happiness that they're talking about there that, that it, to me, it's just a reaction to what his his girlfriend Linda said.
1: I had gotten the impression that it was a uh, sort of like a feeling out to see how the son was handling everything Mm -hmm. but uh, in the in the movie uh chris jr's uh, four years old it looks like Mm -hmm. and you have to wonder what is happiness to a Mm four-year-old is it maybe the the doll he carries or um
0: knowing where he's gonna sleep at night i know that 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 came up a couple times like where are we sleeping tonight uh, actually, it happened in right in that scene, right after Yasumithbei's happy They're like, Well, where am I going to sleep? Where's mom? You know that kind of that kind of disjointedness where his life is coming apart, and he doesn't understand why, and it's hard on children.
1: And you you really do get the feeling that he has a sense that he's tied into it somehow. Mm-hmm. He a- he asks his mom, uh, leaving because of me.
0: Right now, um, of course, the biggest. Scene having to do with happiness is at the end. It's actually narrated.
3: This part of my life, this little part, is called happiness.
0: Is this truly happiness at the end? What What's your thoughts on that?
1: You know, uh, I as I was watching this, and uh, I gave this a lot of thought afterward. Happiness as defined by Chris in the movie and by the creative team of the movie really is not the kind of happiness that we as Christians should even be pursuing. And I don't think that we pursue it once we're filled by the Holy Spirit. Right. I completely um, agree. <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, uh, Scripture makes it clear that happiness is found in the Lord and Uh, If it's all right, I'll read uh, Psalm 44. Sure. Psalm 40, verse (laughs) (laughs) 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. And... uh, the important thing here is that uh, blessed and, and happy in this case are used interchangeably. Very much interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And
0: depending and on which translation you read, sometimes it'll say happy is the man. It's just like in the Beatitudes, it's um, sometimes said blessed are the poor and I,
1: yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: some people say, and some translations say happy is the,
1: so. Uh, Matthew Henry's commentary on the Beatitudes uh, makes it a point of that as well, that uh, content and uh, happy and blessed, all very similar in this case.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And to me, that's interesting, because when we think of blessings, we think of them as good things. But if you're content and happy in the Lord, then the bad things don't phase you. It's an attitude. It's not your circumstances, it's your attitude. And it's based on um, trust in the Lord and knowing that he's going to take care of you no matter what's going on. And
1: it's... Boy, that's a tall order, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. It is.
1: It's so difficult to do, especially when, you know, you're missing your rent payment for the second time. Or, <laughs>
0: you know, you're going to end uh, up on the street. and Yeah,
1: but it is what we're called to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why it's an attitude and not based on circumstances, because if we base our happiness on what's going on around us, then we'll always be on this like roller coaster of emotion, ups and downs that just take us into the pits. And if we find contentment in God and knowing that he's in control, then that it kind of smooths out that ro- roller coaster. And I honestly don't know how people who don't have the Lord deal with their lives, because there's nothing to smooth out that roller coaster.
1: I I've been a uh, Christian since uh, very early years. I, I think uh, uh, I think I was five when I accepted Christ in a vacation Bible school mm-hmm. that uh, my grandparents worked at. So I've never really had a uh, a time in my life when when I didn't at least feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, even though I might have been looking at it going, "Go away, leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's i i see folks at work who have to deal with the difficulties that we face on a daily basis mm-hmm. and it's it's clear that it gets to them just like it gets to, to me and to my brothers and sisters in Christ but uh without the assurance the, the blessed assurance you might even say mhm i i can't fathom how they do it either
0: yeah, it's tough now, another scripture um, that we pulled for this is blessed is the one who finds wisdom for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and nothing you desire can compare with her. That's Proverbs three thirteen through 15. And it's interesting because this is saying that, that those that have happiness are the ones who seek after wisdom. And that is something, I mean, well, that's what Proverbs is all about really is seeking after wisdom, but it's that wisdom is godly wisdom. And without it, the world just will not make sense.
1: I find it interesting that, uh, that the the wisest man in the history of, uh, of the Bible, Solomon, is uh, attributed with writing at least a portion of Ecclesiastes, which uh, a lot of people, uh, or at least some of my pastors have referred to as a crotchety old man book.
0: <laughs> I love Ecclesiastes. It's one of my favorite books. There's a lot of good stuff in it about, you know, just... Learning the proper perspective of of living in life it's it's an important book and it it takes you through all the things that we go through as people trying to find happiness and and meaning in life and and knocks them down one at a time until you come back to it's all about God so
1: yep exactly it really it really is about uh, dealing with what you're dealt uh, and trusting in God to uh, to help you get through it. I'll tell you what, it's not easy. No,
0: it isn't. Now, one of the things that is really prominent in this movie is the strong rags to riches comparison, because we start out early in the movie, we see, you know, they're showing contrast right at the titles of, you know, the people sitting on the streets and buskers and then the wealthy businessmen walking around and they flash back and forth between that. And it kind of, you know, the, the conclusion of the movie, Chris has got a good job, He he's he's going somewhere financially, and all of his financial woes are going to be solved, and, and this is what happiness is all about. It kind of is that whole prosperity feel of, you're going to find your happiness in wealth. But I know, just from experience, that a lot of wealthy people are just as unhappy and lost as people who are poor, and that some poor people are more contented in life with just being content with what they have than some of the richest people in the world. So I don't, I mean, the idea of the movie is that wealth is where happiness is found. I really think that's kind of the conclusion, but I don't think it's a true conclusion.
1: It's, I would uh, slightly disagree, respectfully slightly disagree. <laughs> um, it, I was thinking that at the very beginning, but uh, when I thought about the other stuff that they had put in, um, how... Chris said he, he had always been good with numbers, how he was able to do the Rubik's Cube and the uh, the fact that he was essentially selling ice to Eskimos, <laughs> um, which is probably not PC to say anymore, um, uh, and how all those things tied into – the job that he ended up with and yes there was certainly an element of uh covetousness and uh and envy there particularly with the uh red ferrari scene mm-hmm. which is uh according to the wikipedia article is, is something that actually happened in this man's <laughs> yeah. life but um
0: well, it gave I, him I, it, I, it gave him that impetus that motivation to try for something exactly. else yeah
1: the uh, the way he ended up with that job, I think his skill sets were a better fit, mm-hmm. and I, I would like to think that that was where the happiness could come from, mm-hmm. was it finding a place where you love what you do? Right. Uh, it, was it Confucius? Who was it that said, uh, do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life?
0: <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> Now, this movie has a real strong emphasis on fatherhood, and mm-hmm. I as at the mother. And this is kind of you know in and out really quick. And but yet, um, there's quote after quote after quote about fatherhood in this movie that it really stands out as being a major theme.
1: It, indeed, the uh, the very beginning of the movie it starts with a uh, a quote about uh, how he was familiar with his father Mm -hmm. or lack of familiarity with his father.
3: I met my father for the first time when I was 28 years old. And I made up my mind as a young kid that when I had children, my children were going to know who their father was.
1: And I think that spoke to his very strong and intense desire to be there for his son, which was refreshing. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's one of the reasons why this movie is is, has such a strong message, especially, I think, in the African American community. And I don't want to come across as racist or anything, but it's actually statistical that uh, there is a, a dearth of fathers in, I guess, the ghettos of our cities, of our inner cities. And where a lot of girls are raising children by themselves because the fathers just aren't there.
1: It's, I suspect that has a lot to do with the economic situation that, that they're in mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that uh, pregnancy is sort of limited to the women at this point.
0: <laughs> but it means that the fathers are not sticking around and taking responsibility, too. So
1: Raising children is very hard, and the importance of, uh, of the parents cannot be overstated. Mm-hmm. It really can't, and uh, Chris in the movie was uh, very intent on that. Uh, I think, I think they probably intentionally left out the idea that Linda, the girlfriend, was maybe not so well equipped to care for her son, um, but his intensity. Uh, you're not going to take my son away from me. When uh, when he went and picked his son up from daycare uh, in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. um, it it was very clear that his son was uh, was his highest priority, and I think that's appropriate as so long as it's to raise your children in a godly manner. And no matter what we do as parents, we're not always going to succeed. They're going to make mistakes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's like uh, you know, the, the proverbial proverbial uh hot stove. Don't touch that stove, it's hot. Don't mm-hmm. touch that stove, it's hot. Ow. Yeah <laughs> Told you it was hot. Yep. It, we have to uh we have to let them make mistakes, but uh Chris Junior in the movie is is so young and Looks up to his father so much. I think they did that relationship very well, and it, it, I think it is directly attributable to uh, to Will Smith and uh, and the fact that he was playing with his, with his yeah. exactly
0: yeah. And you know what? From what I understand, what I've I've seen about the actual relationship between Will and Jaden is he is an amazingly protective father. And uh, it, he, he is really there and, and actively parenting his son in many ways. It comes across in the movies where they play together. But it, I also I don't know whether you've seen the the new version of um, Karate Kid. Did you see that? I have movie? indeed. Um, it really struck me when I watched the extras on the DVD that in every scene that Jaden appeared, Will was in there. <laughs> <laughs> he may not have showed up in the scre- on the screen, but he was there.
1: And, I I don't have the DVD. I haven't seen the extras, but now mm-hmm. I want to pick it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very amazing cuz you watch the extras on the DVD and, and like the the scenes where he's doing the fights and stuff, Will is right there and every he's always there as soon as you know they call cut, he's jumping in, you know, and he he doesn't leave his son alone in in making that movie. He was there That's, for all of it. So
1: That must be intimidating for the other actors who have to to beat up <laughs> Jaden in the script, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't make it look real cuz his dad's so big. <laughs> it, the uh, scripture it puts a lot of a lot of thought uh, it, into the importance of uh, father, son, and parent-child relationships all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. It's you see, well, Old Testament uh, definitely you see the relationships of the uh, the parent and the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess not so much in the in the New Testament, but the New Testament does speak to that relationship right uh, a number of times. Um, in in Ephesians, Paul speaks to. A number of the uh, the familial relationships, including Ephesians 6, 4, where uh, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, which ties directly back to Proverbs 22, 6. Train your child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it, which is one of my personal favorites. Mm, because favorite. it, it speaks to what we want as parents, which is... For our children to be better than us.
0: And I think it's interesting that he did the don't, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline. Because I think a lot of disciplinarians, you know, the, the fathers that are the strict disciplinarians, they never have that emotional attachment with their children that makes the discipline um, appropriate. It's it's just their taskmasters, and if it's not done right. You know they punish, and and so I think that 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 statement of "do not provoke your children to anger" speaks to the the necessity of having a loving and committed relationship with your children that isn't just about discipline.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it it's clear. Even Christ makes it clear that it would be. Uh, I wish I'd looked this one up now, <laughs> but it would be better for a uh, lodestone to be tied around his neck. Than uh, to, to cause harm to come to a child or uh, I know I just butchered that. Oh one. no,
0: that's okay. We'll put it in the show notes. They'll get it there.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anything else you want to discuss about fatherhood?
1: Yeah. It's, there was one thing I, uh, one last thing I wanted to mention in particular with this movie was that, uh, uh, Christopher Jr. Looks up to his father in, uh, in a very heroic way. It's like the man can do no wrong. <laughs> and, uh, there's uh, a little bit of that uh, symbology that uh, that I referenced at the beginning Um, he's carrying around for much of the movie he's carrying around a Captain America doll Mm -hmm. this doll Captain America in particular I think is uh, very apropos because Captain America in uh, in the comics in the movie is a very old fashioned very honest man and um, I think that that it is the epitome of hero worship and representative of Christopher Jr.'s relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a scene where he loses that. And I think that uh alludes to the point in all of our lives when we realize that our parents are not infallible. And uh then we human. become <laughs> Yeah. Then we become teenagers and believe that they are only fallible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely a very strong thing in, scene in the movie where he drops the dolls. They're rushing to the bus, and Chris won't let him go back and get it. So it's...
1: And it, it's for good reason, too. In the movie, they are rushing to get to the shelter because, you know, they only have so many bed spaces. And there's always a long line. And if you don't get early enough in line, then you don't get a bed for the night. And making sure that they have some place to sleep is is paramount. Mm-hmm. So you feel for the dad, you really do. You're like, oh, you wish you could go back and get it, mm-hmm. but it's a priority choice that I would have made too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because as parents, we always know the circumstances better than the kids do. All they know is, oh, we lost a toy that means a lot to us, and. I mean, it would be like trying trying to stop your child from running into a burning house to get a teddy bear that got left behind or something like that. It's like you know that that's not a safe place or there's other issues involved that the child is completely blind to. So it's it's decisions that you have to make. They're hard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are.
0: Especially when you have a child screaming and getting upset and you have to just... and like and I think he even loses his temper there in that scene, so...
1: Uh, it was one of the very few places where the main character lost his temper, and uh, it it makes a strong impact.
0: Now, the other word that is in the title, we've dealt with happiness. There is another word in the title, the pursuit of, <laughs> and it's interesting that the pursuit of happiness is actually part of our um, founding documents for this country. It's like that that w- we want everybody to have the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he even brings that out in the movie.
3: It was right then that I started thinking about Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence and the part about our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I remember thinking, how did he know to put the pursuit part in there? That maybe happiness is something that we can only pursue. And maybe we can actually never have it, no matter what. How did he know that?
0: So he's this whole movie, because of the title, is about his pursuit of happiness, what he considers to be happiness and whether that be the wealth of a good paying job or just the satisfaction of doing a job that you're good at doing, which in this case, it's kind of both. Um. It's interesting that when I kind of started looking this up in, in scripture, I couldn't find anything about pursuing happiness in life, but I found a whole lot about pursuing righteousness.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, in fact, when I I was trying to look up words, trying to, you know, come at it from different angles, and I tried ambition because really pursuing um, what you want to do and pursuing dreams is kind of an am- ambitious kind of way of looking at it, um, the ambition uh, I found three scriptures that had the word ambition in them. It was Second Corinthians twelve twenty, James three fourteen through sixteen, and Galatians five nineteen through twenty one. Every single one of them talked to them as being selfish ambition, and it was in a list of bad things. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh my goodness, ambition is negative in scripture." <laughs> but there's a lot of scripture having to do with pursuing righteousness and not dreams or happiness. So one of them is the one who pursues righteousness and faithful love will find life righteousness and honor Proverbs 21:21 21, 21. and then in the New Testament there is so then we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another Romans 14:19 And then in 1 Timothy 6.11, it says, But you, man of God, run from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And then those run from those things is following a list of bad things. So um, so in context is saying you, you don't pursue these things, but you want to pursue faith, love, endurance, and gentleness.
1: It's, I'm sure it will strike you as, uh, as very original, but I happen to find First Timothy and Second Timothy to be my favorite books of the Bible.
0: <laughs> hmm, I wonder why.
1: <laughs> Just because he wrote those to me.
0: Yes, of course. <laughs> and all the other Timothys.
1: At, well, yeah, yeah it's, but, you know, it, it was to me first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not uh, out of my mind.
0: Um, and my final verse, and this this jumps back into the Old Testament, is why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams bring futility, so do many words. Therefore, fear God. Ecclesiastes five six through seven. And I threw that one in because it's kind of the negative to the positives of pursuing righteousness. And Ecclesiastes, as we've already mentioned, is a book that um, talks about all the things that are futile. And pursuing dreams, uh, according to this verse, is brings nothing but futility. So
1: I do wonder how much that ties into the uh the final instruction that we are servants in Christ. Mhm. Um it's because really when you think about the job of being a servant, the the necessities of a pursuit of uh, or ambition in general really doesn't uh tie out well in in storytelling. Ambition in a servant is almost always the background of an antagonist, not a protagonist.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely um, interesting. It, it kind of struck me when I started looking for the scripture. It actually surprised me how there was really nothing in scripture about pursuing your dreams. Even though I think we all encourage our children to, to dream big. And, and in fact, in this movie, he actually tells his son.
3: Don't ever let somebody tell you, you can't do something not even me.
0: I think that's something that we all encourage in each other and in our children to pursue um, that which makes us happy. And like you said earlier on, you know, about if you're doing what you love, it's not work. But I couldn't really find anything in scripture about that, though I will say the scripture does lean towards, you know, work well, whatever you do, do it well. Mm-hmm. So I think it 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 can be implied that no matter what you're doing, you should do it well. But it would you do things better if you're doing what you enjoy.
1: You actually just quoted the very beginning of uh, a piece of scripture hanging in my cubicle, uh, Colossians three twenty three and twenty four. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, and I. Go to work every day, and I, I remind myself of that. It, mm-hmm. What I, I'm there to serve God,
2: right? Now
0: I think that back in scriptural times, people really didn't have a lot of choices um, like we do as to what we're going to do for a living. Um, you you were born a shepherd, or you were born a woodworker, and you you came into that, and you did what you were raised to do, or what your parents gave you to do as apprenticeship, or whatever. So it, it may be that in today's culture, not so much in, in Bible times, we probably have a little more choice in pursuing what makes us happy. Um, we definitely live in a country that makes that easier than it would in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it behooves us to take advantage of the um, resources that we have to be able to pursue and learn trades or whatever that make us happy. but. In, in the long run, I think, if we look at it scripturally, we should, first of all, look for the Lord's will in that and and try to follow his direction. Now, there are a couple other verses that I wrote down about the work ethic um, from scripture. Of course, both of them come from Proverbs. Um, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. That's Proverbs 28, 19, um, which really ties well into this movie because it
1: it, (laughs) you could call the scanner a worthless pursuit certainly
0: (laughs) and it definitely dealt him with plenty of property even though he worked very hard at it it's kind of sad but yeah it's definitely important to to work hard at something (laughs) that that isn't a worthless pursuit i guess and do you see a man skillful in his work he will stand before kings he will not stand before obscure men Proverbs 22:29 So uh, uh, that's kind of enforcing the idea of of doing work that you enjoy so that you're skillful at it and you do it well So and you will you will be noticed when you do your work well basically Now um there was one last thing that really caught my attention I'm not even sure whether it you may have noticed it as much as I did but when um Chris first comes home with the idea of becoming a stockbroker, Linda really scoffs at it.
3: Stockbroker? Yeah. Not an
0: astronaut? Um, One of the things I know of uh, as a child, seeing my parents together, my parents went through a lot of, of... money woes and job problems when I was growing up and we moved a lot and there were times when we didn't know where the next meal was coming from and so I kind of seen this from firsthand from a child's perspective and one of the things I never saw my mom do was ever disrespect my dad and the problems that he was having trying to find a job where he fit in and could could pursue long term and I think it's so important that women follow... What scripture tells us to do, to submit um, to our husbands, in, in uh, Ephesians 5:24 it says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, it says, Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I didn't see that in Linda at all. She did not come across ever respectful to Chris or um, she scoffs at his dreams. She's, she's not um, the helper that God made women to be for men.
1: Mm. There's certainly the implication that they had a much more caring relationship in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you definitely don't see any of that respect in uh, the script.
0: And, you know, if, if we look at, the true life of Chris and realized that this was a girlfriend that he had an affair with and they had a child together. uh, It kind of puts a different dimension on that relationship.
1: I was a bit disappointed when I read that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it does, it does mean that she's not technically his wife. And so there's already been failures there um, relationship wise in the past that's led to this. But at the same time, um, as a woman in a relationship with a man, I think Scripture is very clear that we should never um, cut a man down, disrespect him. It's our job. God gave it to us all the way back in Genesis when he created Eve. It's our job to be the helper, not the (laughs) hinderer.
1: It's you mentioned earlier. um, Where was it? Uh, it, Even Paul pointed out that uh, we should be edifying each other. Mm hmm. So even even as brothers and sisters, putting aside the relationship of husband and wife just right. for a second, mm-hmm. it, it, you don't really have reason to tear anyone down. Right. So uh, that just reinforces it all that much more in my mind.
0: Having it demonstrated to me in my life of how a, a wife should be in those situations, that just really struck me the way she scoffs at him. So we can move on now. <laughs> this is kind yeah. of funny. Um, the very last thing we want to talk about, I'm going to lead in with a joke.
3: Dad, listen to this. One day, a man was drowning in the water. And a boat came by and said, do you need any help? He said, no, thank you, God will save me. Then another boat came by and said, do you need any help? And he said, no, thank you, God will save me. Then he drowned it and went to heaven. And he said, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you two big boats, you dummy.
0: it's This is a funny joke, and it's one like you have mentioned to me before we even started recording. It's a very old joke, and it's been told many different ways. I think the way I heard it was it was a guy on a roof, or he was in a house, and the boat came up and said, you know, that's flooding. Let me take you away. He's like, oh, no, the Lord's going to protect me, and then the next time he's on the roof and— and another boat comes by and he says, oh, no, the Lord will take care of me. And then a helicopter comes and he turns the helicopter away saying, God will take care of me. And then the water washes him away and he drowns. And and so it's it's the same joke, but it's, it, you know, it, it's been told many different ways.
1: That particular joke is really all in the telling. And it's sometimes more fun to recall the telling <laughs> than it is the actual joke. <laughs> I've
0: actually heard it in several sermons, which is why it... it <laughs> And um, I, I think I've heard at least two different pastors use that joke in a sermon. And so it's it's amazing how, like you said, you know, that to try and make something lighthearted about how um, God is sometimes uh, trying to help us in the times of misfortune in our lives. And we turn him away, <laughs> thinking that we're, we're expecting some big miracle and he's sending the mundane into our lives to fix it. And I think that's kind of the point of the joke. But.
1: It's, that's almost an issue of pride when you think about it, uh, theologically. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, I'm important enough for God to save by parting this flood.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Rather yeah. than take the rope that was thrown to me.
0: <laughs> right, right. And I, I thought it came at a very interesting point in the movie because, uh he's, his, he's still in the middle of a lot of misfortunes. They're, they're, um, homeless he's trying to sell the final scanner, and you know just everything's really in the worst it could possibly be for Chris and his son j- tells this joke, and i'm not even sure he really hears it, but it's an important part because it's it's kind of brings up that whole idea of where is God in the middle of all these things that are going on in in his life, and obviously they don't really bring him across as being a Christian, but we all ask those questions when we're in when we're dealing with. Uh, the hardships in our life are like where is god in this where Why is God allowing this to happen to me i'm a good person i i shouldn't have to deal with all of these hardships and the first thing that always pops into my mind when people raise that question is job the whole book of job and i um I'm just going to quote just this fraction from the beginning, but it it kind of sets the tone for the whole book um And the Lord said to Satan, behold, that he, all that he has is in your hand. Every I, only against him do not stretch out your hand. And that's Job 1, 8 through 12. And of course, we know if you continue reading the book of Job, um, he loses everything, but his health is still there. So Satan, they have this conversation again, and Satan says, well, you didn't allow me to hurt him. So now let me hurt him. And so then he gets sick. And all of this misfortune is hitting Job and, and he never curses God. He, he asked the question, why, is, why me, Lord, why me? <laughs> but a lot, actually. Um, but he never curses God, which is what Satan said he would do.
1: Not only does Job ask that question a lot, but all of his friends uh, suggest answers to it even uh, unprompted.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh almost all of them are wrong if i recall correctly (laughs) yes
0: they are all wrong they they put it on you must have done something wrong to deserve all of this and i think that that's the human way of looking at hardship it's like somehow or another we did something wrong to deserve whatever's going on in our lives and the ultimate answer to hardship in the world is yes we did something wrong because sin is what has cursed our existence but as followers of Christ the things the hardships that come into our lives are actually um ways to make us stronger in our ministry um as it says in Romans 8:28 says we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God those who are called according to his purpose and that has always been a huge promise to me because when you look at all of the hardships that can go on in your life you have to realize that um that God is honing you um, to use you and maybe even some in ways that you don't even know maybe the way you reacted to something or the, the ability to add that to your testimony to help somebody else later in your life you might not ever know why he did those things but you know that he is working them together for the good of those who love God and so it just kind of gives you that different perspective of why me Lord why me
1: it's all I can say to that is amen it, that is it's very hard to remember that uh, we will not always see the cause or the effect mm-hmm. we may uh, we may only be a very small piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. but uh, we have to put our faith in god we okay. have to put our trust in god we have to obey
0: now um if of course i always try to put this somewhere in a podcast if if you're listening to this podcast episode and you don't know what we're talking about, about the peace of knowing God is in control and, and having God active in your life, directing you in, in ways, um, I really encourage you, um, to find out more about it. And I'll put a link in the show notes right here at the end of the show notes that you can click on. That'll t- tell you more about, um, what you can do, uh, about finding, finding Christ and accepting that free gift of salvation that he has for you. Well, do you have any final thoughts about the movie?
1: I do. It, I I did like this movie. Um, I liked it the first time I saw it. I liked it when when we watched it for the podcast. Uh, part of uh, the reason I liked it so much is because it, it brings so much together. Uh, it takes such a complex situation and boils it down into a, a nice, strong narrative that makes you think. And I think it was a perfect choice for Are You Just Watching?
0: I – um. I've been really happy with getting a chance to do something that isn't sci-fi oriented because I think like the last four or five movies I've done were sci-fi. So
1: I didn't even know there were stuff that wasn't sci-fi oriented.
0: <laughs> so yeah, this this is great to be able to um, pull up a movie that just deals with the real issues in people's lives. and And that's another thing that's really nice about it is that it is a it is a real story. It's not just something that people made up for the script, though it's probably been adapted a great deal. Um, it's a true story. It's something that really happened to somebody. And I think it made him sensitive. If you look at, you know, the story about his life is, is he really has this strong desire to help people in need um, with home, you know, job training for homeless and that kind of thing. And it's just amazing um, where this took him as an individual and, and it, When you watch the movie, it kind of gives you a whole new view about those untouchables, those people that we don't like to even look at when we're walking down the street, that (laughs) they all have a story, you know, and they're all, and sometimes all they need is just somebody to reach out a hand to them and help them up. Definitely something to take away and think about. Absolutely. Well, um, that's what we thought of Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can comment on our show notes. Just go to com slash 44 and leave comments there. You can also uh, call our voicemail number. That's 903-231-2221. And you can email us, even audio files or just uh, written files, uh, feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. We'd really love to hear feedback from you guys. And we want to know what you thought of Pursuit of Happiness. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at uh, com slash Eve Franklin. Tim, do you have anything on Twitter?
1: Uh, I do, actually, but... Uh...
0: Don't know that you, you want anybody following you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i uh, right, I'm I'm on Twitter and uh Google Plus uh, as uh uh Rencheple, which is a made-up word that I've been using since the late 80s on the internet and it's never been never been reused. Um that's R E N C H E P L E. And I'd love to have uh, folks follow me if they're so inclined.
0: Oh, cool. Wonderful. And we'd love for you to check us out also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and you just look for Are You Just Watching? You should find us pretty easily. It's um, hopefully a place where we can start discussions, you know, get people talking. And I'd love to have people suggest movies that we can talk about in the future. Uh, Tim is actually he's guest hosting on this episode, but we're hoping that this works out well enough that he'll become a regular co-host on the program. So
1: that would be wonderful.
0: I know I'm I'm looking I'm excited about it because as you heard in my last episode, I'm it was getting a little hard to do these by myself. So it's so much easier to converse with somebody.
1: If you had to keep doing it, would you have developed a split personality?
0: <laughs> Probably not, but I think I already have a little bit of one. So. <laughs>
1: We could listen to you argue with yourself.
0: <laughs> well, thanks again for listening. And I'm Eve Franklin.
1: And I'm Tim Martin.
0: And don't just
2: watch.
3: Are You Just Watching As a proud member
1: of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx.